Isaiah 55 and verses 6 and 7. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. I'd like to speak to you tonight on the subject of seeking the Lord. I've titled this a call to seek the Lord. And really, if I was had a bow and arrow up here, I'd be aiming at you who are lost. So you who are not Christians, many of you are kids and your parents are Christians, but you're not a Christian yourself. You're, you're, you know that you're not right with God. And so that's who I'm aiming at. Um, at the same hand, though, I feel like it's good. Anytime I ever hear an evangelistic message, it always stirs me up as a believer, you know, to pray and to be more earnest with uh, the souls around me. So I hope it has a twofold effect. Paul says um, in 2 Corinthians 5.20 that we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So anytime someone gets up here to preach, he's, Paul's saying that the work of preaching is that we're ambassadors, we're coming, we're representing Christ and we're speaking on his behalf. We're, we're we're, we're begging you on behalf of Christ who really is there, who really is in heaven, say, ready to save souls, and that we're, we're appealing to you on his behalf. So it's not just that we're coming in here you know, to listen to some nice words. God is seeking to lay hold of you. God is seeking to speak to you uh, in these verses, in these words. So I would ask you to really listen you know, and to really think about these things. So that's the goal of this message. Uh, I just want to kind of go through it. The message really, it preaches itself because it it really, the whole thing flows. But I wanted to start off with verse 6. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And I just wanted to point out something very obvious, and that is that our call to you is to seek the Lord himself. It's to seek a person. It's to seek the Lord Jesus Christ. So, when we're preaching to you, when I speak to you tonight, it's it's a call to to come to Christ, to seek a person. What what is it not? It's not simply we're not here to just learn facts about God. Yeah. It's not a call. The call of God, the call of the gospel, is not just to perform some ritual and get in the the right club, get baptized, and kind of join this religious group. You know, the call of the gospel is not to join a good church. You know, I mean, I've heard some testimonies, all the testimony is, well, I used to go to a bad church, and then I started going to a good church. That's not, that's not what Christianity is. That's not the call of the gospel. It's not to try and live a better life. You know, I, I think a lot of people, that's all it is. You know, why, you know, my own family, they decided to start taking us to church, not to find God. You know, they never expected that. You know, not to have a meeting with Christ, but just to... You know, make us live a little bit of a better life. You know, maybe it'll, you'll have a little bit of a happier life. You know, if you're a little bit have more morals, you know, instilled in you. And that's not what the verse says. That's not what you should seek after. What you should seek after is the Lord Himself, Christ Himself. It's saying to believe upon a person, to entrust yourself to the person of Christ. And you know, another thing, it's not. It's not a call to talk to our, our, your pastor. You know, I, I was thinking about this, you know, 
you know, many times if you feel fearful of, you know, not knowing how to share with someone, you know, you say, well, I'll just bring you to the pastor. I'll just, I'll just bring you to the church. You know, we need to be able to direct people to the Lord, be able to direct them to the Lord himself, you know, to, to point them to Christ. I mean, and, and I wanted to share something here from Spurgeon's autobiography that kind of clearly exemplifies this. Um, this is his account of a woman that was, quote-unquote, seeking God and how he dealt with her. He said, A lady came to me after service in the tabernacle, that was the name of the church building, and asked me to pray for her. She had been before to speak to me about her soul, so I said to her on the second occasion, I told you very plainly the way of salvation, namely, that you are to trust yourself into Christ's hands, relying on his atoning sacrifice. Have you done that? She answered, no, and then proceeded to ask me whether I would pray for her. I said, no, certainly I will not. She looked at me with astonishment and again asked, will you not pray for me? No, I replied, I have nothing for which to pray for you. I have set the way of salvation before you so simply that if you will not walk in it, you will be lost. But if you trust Christ now, you will be saved. I have nothing further to say to you but in God's name to set before you life or death. Still, she pleaded, do pray for me. No, I answered, would you have me to ask God to shape his gospel so as to let you in as an exception? I do not see why you should. His plan of salvation is the only one that has ever been or ever will be of any avail. And if you will not trust to it, I am not going to ask God anything, for I do not see what else is wanted from him. I put this question plainly to you. Will you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? I certainly was somewhat surprised when the sister said very deliberately, If it be so, then, that salvation will come to me by believing, I do believe what the Scripture says concerning Christ. And moreover, I feel that I can trust myself with him, because he is God and he has offered a sufficient sacrifice for my sins. And I do trust myself to him just now. And I feel such a strange peace stealing over me at this very moment. I have trusted him. And I am certain that I am saved. And in an instant she said to me, Good evening, sir. There are other people waiting to see you. And away she went like a common sense woman as she was. And she has often told me since how glad she was that I refused to pray for her. And so brought her to the decision to trust Christ for herself. And thus receive the assurance of her salvation. You know, so what, what's the temptation? The temptation is, oh, oh, this poor woman. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for her. But it was a lie. It was a deception. She was looking to him and not dealing directly with Christ. You know, she was looking to have the pastor do the work for her, and, and he, he saw through it, you know. So our, our message, what we're preaching to you, is that you should come to Christ himself, that you can go directly to God in prayer, by faith. Next notice um, this small word in verse 6, while. Seek the Lord while he may be found, Call upon him while he is near. There's something, there's something urgent about the context, isn't there? Um, there's something that you get the feeling of you, you need to do this while you can. In other words, that you don't have forever to seek God. And I, and I want to just think about this. What does this mean? Why, why is it that you only have a limited amount of time to seek God, that, you, that your time is short? And there's a few different reasons I thought of. Uh, but one of those reasons is that you do not know when you will die. And I want you to really think about this. 
if you're able to understand what I'm saying right now, even if you're young, there, there are millions of people that have died at a younger age than you. I mean, that haven't made it as far as you have in your life. You know, so I mean, there, there is no guarantee of living, you know, it's, it's called the sin of presumption. If you just think in your mind, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my teenage years, I'm going to get older, and I'm going to get married, I'm going to do these things. If you just assume those things are going to happen, that's actually a sin. It's called the sin of presumption. You don't know what a day may bring forth. You don't know how many days God has given you. You know, God, the Bible says that God has numbered our days. That, that literally means we have a numbered amount of days on this earth, you have a limited amount of time to seek God before you may perish, before you may die, and it's too late to seek God. Um, I can remember uh, a few years ago when I was going through my RN program, the schooling. You know, we had a period of time when I was in the ER, and a, a gentleman got in a car accident. They think simultaneously had a heart attack, and they were doing CPR, and they brought him, you know, into the ER. And I, that was the first time I ever tried to do CPR on someone. And, you know, I was doing CPR on this guy who had, was already dead, but they were trying to revive him. And I, it was just so overwhelming, you know. I mean, to think this, this guy probably got up, had his eggs, had his toast in the morning, you know, was just normal day like every other day. You know, he had no idea that, you know, that morning I, that this guy named Ryan Skinner is going to be hovering above him doing CPR, you know, while everyone's while praying for him that God might have mercy on him. You know, I mean, just had no idea. You know, I mean, you do not know what a day may bring forth. You know, um, it doesn't matter, young or old. You know, we uh, several years back here, you know, some of us were familiar with a young man at the college. You know, he went to, to just a party, just a gathering. Not only that, a party, but a Christian gathering, a Christian party. They're out swimming, having a good time. He jumps in the pond, never comes out alive. I mean, he drowned. He died. He's he's gone. You know? Do you think he had any idea that day when he woke up? You know that 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 afternoon when he was playing his video games that he only had hours left on, on the in this world. I mean, it's not some crazy outlandish thing. It's real. You know, and it's pressing. You know that that you don't know what a day may bring forth. <coughs> so the question is, what does the Bible describe our life like? Well, I'll give you a hint. It's not like a rock. It's not like a tower. It's not like a mighty oak. It says that our life is like a vapor. It's like a shadow. It's like grass that springs up in the morning, and then by the end of the day, it's, it's withered. It's faded away from the sun beating down on it. It's like a dream. You know, you have a dream in the night. By the end of the day, haven't you forgotten that dream unless it was a, a crazy dream or something? I mean, most dreams, is just gone. You don't even remember. That's what our life is like. It's like a dream that passes by. Ask any, older, ask any old man or old woman, you know, has life gone by fast? And they'll all, they'll, I've never met one that says no, <laughs> you know. They say it's just like yesterday that I was 10. Let's turn to Luke chapter 12. I just want to read this short parable of Jesus just because this, it really does... Uh, illustrate this. Luke chapter 12. The context is covetousness and um, Christ is warning about living your life with thinking about things and money and, you know, in this world. Verse chapter 12 and verse 15. 
Then he said to them, Beware and be under your guard against every form of greed, for even when one has an abundance, or not even when one has an abundance, does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? So this is a well-to-do farmer. Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat and drink and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So notice this. You know, I mean, notice the man's thoughts. The man's thoughts are, hey, everything's going perfect. Yeah. I've got my farm going. I'm making all this money. I'm gonna, I've got all these plans. I'm going to build it even better. I'm just going to kick back and just enjoy it all. And, and i got many years to come. So his thought is many years. I've got many years. But what, is God's, what are God's thoughts? No time. No years. Not even a year. This very night, your soul is demanded of you. You know, I mean, you don't want God to pronounce that over you while you're not yet a Christian. You know, while you're not yet safe in the arms of Christ. You fool, this, this very night your soul is demanded of you. So that's one of the ways that our time is limited to seek God. You don't know when you'll die. You don't know whether it'll be when you're young or when you're old. But our time is also short in regard to God's dealings with you. I want you to think about this. The Bible says in Genesis... My spirit will not strive with man forever. God's saying, my, my spirit's not going to strive with man forever. You know, there is no, there, there's something called the sin of presumption on God's kindness. You know, you, you just think, uh, well, it, it's kind of the ball's in my court. I can kind of, I can decide whenever I want to become a Christian. But you don't know that. I mean, the Bible says God will judge people. And one of the ways he judges people is by giving them over to further and further sin. I mean, God could just totally let you go. I mean, there's no guarantee. It's not, it's not all in your court. You know, there was one account, I couldn't find it. There's one account of a man. He went to a, a meeting, and God powerfully dealt with him there. I mean, he was convicted of his sins, but he was resisting. And, and, he, and he prayed, and he told the Lord, Lord, I'll, I'll leave you alone if you leave me alone. And the Spirit departed from him. He grieved the Holy Spirit. The Spirit departed from him. And as far as we know, he, he died a sinner. He died unconverted. And God took him up on his offer. I mean, that's, that's a scary thing. Yeah. So it's a presumption. Don't presume on God's kindness. The Bible says today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. You know, so if you feel God speaking, if you feel God you know, tugging at your heart, at your conscience. Every time you put that away, you know what's happening? Your heart's actually getting harder. Okay? Anytime you don't respond to a feeling that God is trying to deal with you, uh, it's not, your heart's not going to get any softer, you know, as time goes on. You know, a lot of people, they have this mentality, I'll, I'll get spiritual when I get older. You know, I'll, I'll take the things of God seriously then. But like we said, you don't know. Your heart may be so hard by then, 
I mean, you could be on your deathbed and your heart could be so hard you wouldn't even think of God. You wouldn't even think of it as an option at that point. It's not beyond impossible. Hell is filled with people who had good intentions to eventually seek God. I mean, think about that. There are millions of people in hell that really seriously had a thought that one day they would seek God, and they never did. So you are cast upon God's Spirit. You can't, you can't just will to be saved anytime you want. I mean, you are in need of God to have mercy on you. You're in need of the help of the Holy Spirit. You're cast upon Him now. Our time is also short because Christ may return at any time and the door of salvation will be closed. Jesus said this about Himself. He said, The Son of Man is coming at an hour in which you do not expect. He said that he's coming like a thief in the night, like a thief in the middle of the night. I don't know, have any of you ever been in a, in a house that's been broken into while you were there? No, I'm the only one then, because it happened to me when I, was, when I was over at a friend's house when I was about 10 years old, and we were sitting, it was like 11 o'clock at night watching the TV, and this guy starts to break in through the back door. You hear the, the glass sliding door open, and he's... He's, he's sneaking in, and I, I, I get up and look around, and it's terrifying. I mean, it's the most unexpected thing. I mean, it's like that's the last thing you ever thought was going to happen at that moment was a thief breaking in in the middle of the night. But that's what Jesus said when he comes. That's what it's going to be like. I mean, it's just the shock. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, when the trumpet sounds, I mean, when, when the, 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 the heavens are pulled back and the glory of Christ fills this world, and it's over. There's no second chances. Just look, turn one page over to Luke 13. Uh, Chapter 13 and verse 22. I want you to get the feeling here of this, the door closing. And he was passing through from one city and village to another, teaching and proceeding on his way to Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? I mean, what would, what would your answer be to this question? If, if God were to ask you this, Lord, are there just a few people in the whole world that are going to be saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. The literal word is from the Greek word agonize. Sweat. I mean agonize. Strive. Make every effort to enter in through that small, narrow, little, tiny door that only a few people enter in in this world and are saved. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door and you begin to stand on the outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open up to us, then he will answer and say to you, I do not know where you are from. Then you'll begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught us in our streets. We, we sat in the church meeting. We heard, about, we heard about you. We heard about your miraculous works. We heard about you dying. We heard about you rising from the dead. We ate and drank in your presence. You taught in our streets. And he will say to you, I, I tell you, I do not know where you are from, Depart from me, all you evildoers. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves being thrown out. 
and they will come from east and west and from north and south and will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. I mean, this is, this is the reality. I mean, what, what does Jesus say when, when asked if there's just a few? Strive. You better strive. You, you, you better seek to enter with all your might. You better agonize to seek the Lord before the door is shut, before it's too late, before Christ comes. I hope you feel something, you know, in, in this, this text that we're reading back in Isaiah. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. I hope you feel something how, of how short your life is, of how uncertain the time is. I mean, you just don't, you do not know what a day may bring forth. Well, you may say, well, I don't know how. I don't know how. To seek God. How do I do it? Well, the good news is that our text tells us, doesn't it, in verse 7. And the question is, what, what is the obstacle? What's the obstacle to seeking God? And the answer is sin. It's sin. It's your sin. If there's one thing that will keep you from God, it's your sin. A stubborn and unrepentant heart. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 10:4, the wicked in the haughtiness of his countenance does not seek God. All his thoughts are there is no God. You know, that's not just talking about some proud atheist. That's talking about, you know, even it doesn't matter, you know, whether you're a proud atheist or even if you believe that God exists if you treat him the same way. You know, <laughs> it makes no difference. What a haughty countenance is, you know, and all your thoughts are, God's not there. You know, it's all just me and my, and what's going on in my life. So the Bible says what you must do if you want to be saved, if you want to be right with God. It's right here in this text. Number one, your sin's got to be dealt with. And what what do you, what do you got to do with your sin? Well, it says here, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Forsake your way, your way, and forsake your thoughts. Do you want to find God? Let go of your way. What way? The way of pride. The way of self-importance. The way of self-sufficiency. You think, I've got this on my own. I'll live life how I want to. Thank you. A determination to do what you want regardless of what God says. I mean, what is that? That's rebellion. That's, that's rebellion against God. We're all going one way or another, aren't we? I mean, everyone in this room, you're, you're either walking, you're walking in God's way or you're walking in your own way. I mean, there's no middle ground. There's no halfway between. There's no middle road. You know, the question is, which way are you on? There's no neutrality. So forsake your way and forsake your thoughts. Let the unrighteous man forsake. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So your thoughts. And you say, well, what, what thoughts? Your wrong thoughts. <laughs> I mean, all, all these thoughts like, I, I don't understand. I'm not really that bad. That's a wrong thought. The Bible says the opposite. The Bible says you're very bad. Your sin is very great before him. Your wrong thought of this, God will eventually save me. No, that's a wrong thought. That's, a, that's the sin of presumption. You do not know that. You are not guaranteed that at all. 
Or how about this wrong thought? I've, I've tried before and nothing happened. It's no, it's no use. That's a wrong thought. The Bible says if you come to Him for real, He won't cast you out. You might have tried to come to Him in the wrong way. You might have tried to come to Him unrepentant. You know, I mean, still, still holding on to something that you knew that you knew that you weren't giving all to God. But if you come to Him for real, the Bible says He'll, he'll meet you, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. So forsake these thoughts. You know, embrace the truth of what God says. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Forsaking your way, forsaking your thoughts, forsaking your life, your sin, and, this is the other side of repentance, faith, returning to the Lord. What's the message here? It's, it's come back home. You know, it's come back to the God that your father Adam departed from, you know. The truth is that if you take one real step toward God, he will take 10 steps toward you. I mean, really, that's the way God is. I mean, you do you all remember the story of the prodigal son? I mean, what is God like? What at the heart of God, what is God like? I I thought of this, a wild man running to meet his lost son. I mean, do you realize it was shameful for the father to be exposing his legs running down that street? I mean, it was just shocking to everyone. You know, I mean, it was unheard of in society, you know. And, and a son that had offended him so deeply. What is God like? A wild man running to meet his lost son. I mean, as soon as he catches the glimpse. I mean, the moment in your heart you're real with God. And you take one... I mean... He, God is ready. He's willing to pardon. He's willing to save. He's willing to forgive. Return. Come back. Return to the Lord, believing that Jesus' death was sufficient to pay for all your sins. Trusting Him. Believing that, that what God said, that Christ did, He really did do. That His blood can wash away all your sins. His blood can, as, as Charles Wesley says, can make the foulest clean. That it's sufficient. That the barrier, the wall's been broken down, the way's been made wide open. Return. And God's response, and He will have compassion on him, and to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. I mean, this is the gospel, that there is, there is abundant pardon. There is no sin that's too great. No matter how many times you've resisted God, no matter how many times you've You've you know pushed down your conscience or ignored what your parents were telling you you know or um, gone, done exactly the opposite of what you know that you should have done. There's grace. There's forgiveness with God. There's pardon. There's mercy. You you will find the loving embrace of a father the moment you come, believing, trusting, leaning upon what Christ has done. Amen. Well, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your all-sufficient sacrifice. Lord, dying on the cross to take away the sins of the world. 
Lord, and we pray that you would be merciful, Lord, to the souls that are in this room. Lord, we pray that, Lord, that you would speak to the soul. Lord, what good is it if a man speaks, Lord, if, if you don't speak to the heart? So, Lord, we just pray you take uh, your own word and apply it to hearts, Lord. Do it for, for your own namesake. Amen.